Good evening and welcome. Tonight's class is titled, If Everything is Godly, How Do We Have Evil? If everything comes from Hashem, so how can there be evil, bad, impurity within, within this world? And this is really a continuation of the previous chapters where we've discussed how, how the whole world, everything in it, that looks like billions of different particulars is really one thing. It's all Hashem. And how could Hashem create? How could Hashem, who is infinite, create something so finite? Not only is Hashem infinite and we are finite, but we're like the ultimate extremes possible. Hashem has no definition. To say that Hashem cannot be finite is a definition on Him. Hashem is the ultimate. And we're, we are... We are all completely limited. So, how can the infinite come to the finite? And we discussed how there is the Seder Ishtalshalos, there is a chain of worlds, the Tzimtzum, the contractions, etc., etc. Specifically, the terminology used to discuss the contractions, what energy, with which energy did Hashem create the world? We called it Dibor, speech. And we said the definition of human speech is number one, that it's one of the lowest energies of a person. Number two is that it separates from you. Hashem, when Hashem created the world with speech, that's certainly a low energy from Hashem. But can you say that the speech separated from Hashem? Can you say that the speech with which Hashem created the world has separated from Him? Where is God? Right here. Right here? Yeah. So can God have something separate from Him? No, I don't think so. So how could we say that Hashem created with speech if speech means to separate? If one of the two defining factors of human speech is to separate. Chapter 22, page 90. We're ready to hit it. <laughs> Chapter 22, page 90. Yet, <clears throat> since the Torah employs human language. The word of the omnipresent blessed is He is actually called speech. Hashem's creation of the world is called speech. Like the speech of a human being. Yes, like the speech of a human being. How could it be? How could it be if the speech of a human being separates from Him but Hashem's speech does not? For in truth it is so, by virtue of the descent and flow of the life force to the lower planes. The life force of the lower worlds. And where does the life force come? By means of many and powerful contractions. How did Hashem create such lowly words, worlds? By many powerful contractions of various kinds. It wasn't only one contraction. It was a multitude of different types of contractions and within each type there's many types. In order to take something infinite and create finite, nobody knows how to do that. Only Hashem. And even Hashem, when He created from infinite to finite, He, he has a massive methodology of how it happens. In order that many diverse creatures be created from them. In order for there to be all these differences, Hashem has to make so many different types of contractions. 
as we spoke last week. When we look at ourselves, unfortunately, in our perception, we don't see how we're one with God. And so in our perception, Hashem created the world truly with speech. Hashem created a world and it looks separated. Wait a minute. We can't see that we are one with God? If we work hard, we can. But naturally, we are, we'll use a fancy term, predisposed um, that it appears that we're, we're initially separate. I don't want us to get off on a tangent. I wonder if that's true. In any case, what is the purpose of Yom Kippur? To become one with Hashem. Okay. Indeed, so great and powerful are the contractions and concealment of the countenance Hashem has concealed Himself so powerfully that even unclean things Kalipot and Sitra Achara can come into being and be created. Hashem has covered Himself so much that even Kalipa can be created. The exact, the opposite of Hashem. What's Kalipa? What's Kalipa? Kalipa is impurity. Yeah, but isn't that more like actions rather than beings? You know what I'm saying. I mean, it's, if you start doing the wrong thing, right? then that's, but that's not you. And if a horse, you know, kicks off its rider and kills him, that doesn't make the horse evil, it's just, you know, the action might you know, be I'm just asking. I don't know. No, 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 no. Say the question again. I, well, the question is, is it's one thing to, to say that things are created, but then isn't it after they're created where that their actions are the things that are evil, not the thing itself? I mean, even a cockroach. You know, cockroaches have their place in the world. How many souls do you have? <laughs> don't. How many people are you? I think I'm one. You think you're one? Most likely. If you're... <laughs> I don't know what for you. No, you know I'm laughing. Because you're as a couple. I could play... I could... Tra I could we could play around however you want. I could say you're half a soul, you're, you're yeah, one... Yeah, 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 whatever yeah. you want. But <laughs> the bottom line is, in Tanya we've learned that everyone has two souls. Oh, okay. A godly soul and an animalistic soul. Oh, yeah, sure. That makes sense. Godly soul and an animalistic soul. And we continued learning how there are certain things in this world that are not good. That have I not... That. <laughs> no, yes. no. Yes, and sir. those items, those are, that is klipa. Okay. That is impurity. Okay. Impurity does exist. But it's not intrinsic with me or with you. It's just what we do with what we have. You, being that impurity exists, if you yeah. do something impure, right, you yeah. have attached yourself to impurity. Yeah, and it is now cl clinging to you. Yeah, yeah. So we're on the same page. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so I was just curious what this... One of the famous quotes... I don't think that God's created the impurity, we just have that potential. 
No, that's what I want to clarify. Hashem created impurity. Oh, okay. Like I said, there are certain things created in this world that are impure. Agreed? In the world, within, the, within our world, is, is there anything that is impure? Only actions, right? No, no. What? There are certain things in this world What's impure? that are impure. I don't know about them. I'll give you an example. Yeah, I'll give you an I example. Need. I need examples. Um, sure. F following, certainly, there's a, you could read a, oh, okay. a you could read a glossary. <laughs> you know, um, all the impure things. <laughs> Not all of them. That would take several books. So there's one called Klipa. You know, we'll continue, and yeah, as yeah, you read, yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to no, get no, 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 not at all, not at all. I'm not trying to get everybody else to spell. It's a good question. They probably know all about this stuff. If you read the definition, it might help. I know, but he would want to go on, and I don't want to be reading. Okay, good, good point. At the end, we'll we'll continue with this. Fantastic question. Questions are always encouraged. Okay. So we're saying that Hashem created impurity. Mm. Just for example, there's something called the angel of death. Hashem has created the angel of death. That's an example of impurity that was cre actively created. And uh, for, a hu for, for a Jew to eat non-kosher is called something impure. For a Jew to wear shatnis, wool and linen together, which the Torah says is not allowed, that's something, so within that is impurity, etc. So having two separate garments, one linen and one wool would not be, is not, it's not a problem. Okay. Wool and linen are not a problem. Together we say it's a problem. It, on your body or when, together in the fabric? Together, of, together in, in, the, the in, in one garment. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Therefore, indeed, so great and powerful are the contractions and concealment of the countenance. Hashem has concealed Himself so much that even unclean things, klipot and sitra achara, even impurity, can come into being and be created. And not only is impurity created, but it's receiving their life force and existence from the Divine Word and the breath of His mouth. Hashem is actively creating, blessed be He. How? In concealment of His countenance and by virtue of the downward gradations. In other words, Hashem needs to cover over Himself and even covering over Himself is not enough. On top of that, Hashem also has to make a chain of descent. Okay. So now we have a second understanding of how we say Hashem created the world with speech. Because in, an, in a sense, Hashem's word does separate himself from him. It does separate from him. Hashem's energy inside of impurity is in a sense completely separate from him. you say that again? Hashem's energy in impurity mm -hmm. is in a sense separated from Him. He's giving life to impurity but that's not where He wants to be. That's not where He wants to find Himself. So that energy inside of impurity is as if separated from Him. Elohim, we know, is a holy word. 
Elohim Acherim is a very unholy word. Elohim is the name of God. But if you say, and it's unholy, therefore we could say it Elohim Acherim, that means false gods. Acher, what does the word Acher mean? Other gods. So, Lo Yihi Alecha Elohim Acherim Al Panai, we say in the Ten Commandments, don't have any other gods. Why don't you say don't have idols? What's this terminology? Don't have other gods. And we're going to learn now two, two ways to understand the term Elohim Acherim, other gods. And, but in order for us to understand that, we need to know that the word Acher, Aleph, Ches, Resh, can mean two separate things. Uh, in Hebrew, referring to the backside of a person, we call it the Achurayim. Anyone ever heard that word before? Achorayim, the hinder part. If you're talking about the back of an animal, it's called the Achorayim. So Acher can mean another. Don't have another god or other gods. Acher can also mean don't have the backside gods. Don't. What does that mean? Please. Correct me if I'm wrong, I know you will. It also means creating gods out of the acquisition of material objects, uh, concentrating on your relationship with another human being to the extent that it excludes God, uh, uh, placing the everyday world and the pursuit of life to the degree that you lose sight of the primacy of Hashem. Those are other gods as well. Yes, and we're going to talk more about that in Tanya. Okay, excuse me. No, no, that's going to be our agenda tonight. But what I want to share with you, I want to talk about business, making money. We all want to make money. How many people here have at some point in their life done something they didn't want to, but they just needed the money? Not a, nothing wrong. It, wasn't, it was just they took a job that they didn't particularly want to do, but they recognized that uh, you need the money. What could you do? I mean, you had to make a donation to the shul. <laughs> there you go. You needed to make a donation. <laughs> you weren't going to be allowed in for Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> Let's say our goal is money. We need money. That's going to be called, let's call that our inner desire. So what's your external desire? What is your external desire? To find a job. Meaning, you're not looking for a job because you want a job. You're looking for a job because you want money. That's your inner desire. But in order to allow that desire to happen, now you're looking for a job that you appreciate. But then there's something called the hind part of your desire. Meaning it's something you need to do, but it's something you really, really don't want like. I don't know, let's say you, you work in the restaurant business and they tell you, look, you could work here, but you have to know every night you have to wash the dishes. I know people, you know, they, they have a job, but it comes with washing the dishes. Some, some teachers in today's society, they, the expectation is they clean their classroom. You know, they have to get, vacuum the classroom. So you have, you're looking for money, 
the inner desire, you have the external desire to find a good job, and then you have the things that you're not going to get the money without it, but you don't want to do it. The back part. Hashem says, I want a world. My, Hashem's not looking for money. He's looking for the Jewish people. He's looking for the Torah. He's looking for the Jewish people and the Torah to become one. So Hashem says, okay, what are we going to do? Well, let's create the Jewish people, let's create the Torah, but that's not going to help us because we're going to have souls flying around. Now we need a world. Okay. So the world, the creation of the world, is the job. Hashem says, I need a world, and I'm, active, I'm excited about the world, but the world is here. It's an external part of my desire to allow the internal part, the Jewish people, to, to fulfill the Torah. But there's also the part that Hashem doesn't like, but He says, I have no choice. I want to create a world. I want to create a world with free choice. I want to create a world where there's going to be reward and punishment. So in order to allow that to happen, I have to have good and bad. If there's no free choice, necessitates positive and negative. If there's no negative, there's no free choice. So, does Hashem need, so to say, negativity to, to be in the world that He's creating at this point? Yes. Does He want it? No. So what happens? What happens? Hashem says, you know what? I, I'm going to give you the energy, but I don't want to have anything to do with you. The example we give is someone that there's a dog, he doesn't want to feed. And he takes food and he just throws it to the dog without looking at him. You know, when you look someone in the eye, yesterday, fascinating, yesterday I was in Seattle. I went to a conference by the Consortium of Jewish Day Schools. And a very good conference, but one of the speeches was about was about digital citizenship, talking about talking about technology and how we should train our students of what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. You know, the, the man, he gives an example. He says, today we don't know what's appropriate. He's at a wedding when all of a sudden a brother of the groom, he's walking down the aisle. There's a whole procession. He stops the procession, takes out a selfie stick and snaps a picture of himself. <laughs> he says, he says, who said that's wrong? Well, no one, we, have to, we have to teach our, our students, just like we teach them math and science, we have to teach them what a citizen, what a human being that has technology, how they should act. But within this conference, it was fascinating. He says, for there to be a good conversation, you have to look someone in the eyes, 60 to 80%. Research is telling us that with technology, People are looking. People, people are looking you in the eye, thirty to fifty percent. Because the other time they're like, "Hey, how are you, David?" Just man. oh, I got a text. Yeah. <laughs> looking someone in the eye creates that creates connection. You see two people together, and they're not communicating. They're walking side by side, looking at their phones. <laughs> they say, "They say, how do you know if a couple is going out or if they're married?" <laughs> if they're going out, they're looking at each other. If they're married, they're looking other places. <laughs> looking someone in the eye 
creates a connection. If you don't like someone, it's very hard to look them in the eye. What if they're divorced? If you don't like them, if you don't like them, it's hard to look them in the eye. Hashem, imagine you have someone in back of you that you want to have nothing to do with, but you must sustain them. You must give them money. So what are you going to do? You're going to take the money and you're going to throw it. You're like, just take it. Get out of my face. You know, really inappropriate. You're giving them what they need, but you want to have nothing to do with it. That is what we're going to learn exactly like that. We're going to say, Hashem, He takes this energy, He says, take it. Impurity, take it, but just, just, I don't want to have anything to do with it. So again, we need this negative energy to be here for free choice. But do we want the negative energy? No. Did Hashem create negative energy? Yes. Does He want it? Let's see it inside. Sorry. Let's see it inside. Therefore, now that we understand that Hashem created negativity, Hashem created impurity, and impurity basically cons- completely conceals godliness within it, therefore are the klipot called Elohim Acherim, other gods. Why? For their nurture and life are not of the so-called countenance. Remember, if you look someone in the eyes, you're getting Hashem's countenance. No, no, no. Impurity, Hashem's not looking them in the eyes. Rather what? But of the so-called hinder part, achurayim, hinder part of holiness. Hinder exemplifying the act of a person giving something to, unwillingly to an enemy. When he throws it to him over his shoulder, as it were, having turned away his face from him since he hates him. Elohim acherim, don't have other gods. It doesn't mean over here don't have other gods. Let's look in gloss, in note number three on the bottom. A gloss based on the words acherim. Acherim means other. But acherim is the same. Could also mean achurayim, the hinder. Don't have hinder gods. Gods, false gods, where do they come from? Just so you know, says the Torah. Comes from the hinder part of God. You don't want to have anything to do with it. Hashem created evil. Hashem created impurity. He created it. It was necessary, but his backside is there. So on high, just like when someone takes something and throws it over his shoulder, so on high. Where is Hashem's face? The term countenance exemplifies the inner quality of the supernal will. Where Hashem He wants to be there. And true desire, in which God delights to dispense life from the realm of holiness to everyone who is near to Him. If Hashem's face is there, that means His life. That means that's life. With Hashem's face is life. But the sitra, achara, and unholiness, impurity. Very strong words. Listen to this. 
is an abomination unto God, which he hates. To avas Hashem asher Impurity is an abomination unto God, which he hates. And he does not give a life from his inner will and true desire, as if he delighted in it, heaven forbid, but in the manner of one who reluctantly throws something over his shoulder to his enemy. Yes, Hashem created negativity, Hashem created impurity, but Hashem's face is not there, Hashem's face is life. Hashem's face is life. Rather, the backside of Hashem, like someone's throwing over his shoulder without looking, that's the energy impurity gets. Why then did Hashem create impurity? A very important idea, a very important topic. He does so only to punish the wicked and to give a goodly reward to the righteous who subjugate the Sitra Achara. Why was evil created? To have free choice. Why do we want free choice? To have reward and punishment. One of the 13 principles of faith. This is why it is called the hinder part of the supernal will. Now we understand why, hash, why the energy within impurity is called the hinder part. Why? Because that's the energy of Hashem within it. The energy of Hashem within impurity is the hinder part of Hashem. Let's put this together. And then we'll take some questions. Hashem has created impurity. And as we just learned, it's a, one of the 13 principles of faith is that, as Maimonides relates, is that, there are, is that there is reward and punishment. In order for there to be reward and punishment in this world, there has to be good and bad. Does Hashem want good? Hashem's face isn't good. Does Hashem want bad? No. But it's necessary. So he gives it energy, but the energy within it is achorai, is the hinder part. Any questions? What does the What is the whole term sitra achorai? Sitra achra is Aramaic. And it means the, the other side. The side, the winning side, is holiness. When I tell you, you're going to be on the other side, that's unholiness. Yeah. Yes, Basha. Um, in the parentheses there, you said um, there, there's Hebrew letters there. Is it Elohim, Asherim? Right, right. So... He said that there were two terms there. In, in the meaning of Elohim Achirim, we're going to give two explanations. So far, we only gave one. The first one we gave is that you shouldn't have hinder gods, gods that get energy from the hinder part of Hashem. Achirim could mean other, but it could also mean, as we saw in, in note number three, Achorai in the back, the hinder part. Okay, then we're ready to move on. Oh, there it is. It's, it's in the next uh, sentence. Exactly. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, just a little bit below. There's, there's another... Achorayim, exactly. 
it's showing you that the two are interrelated, right? So we've got Achurayim and then Achurayim. We're, we're translating the word Achurayim as Achurayim. The Shorish. Just to quickly explain. And if you have any questions, you'll go to Morabasha, who's working with the third and fourth grade on Chumash. She could elaborate at, at greater length. But in Hebrew, we say, we learn that there's something called a shorish. There's a source to words. A source of a word has three letters. That means the foundation of most words in Hebrew has three letters. And the additional letters will tell us is it talking in the current, future, past? The additional letters will tell us. Is it? It will tell us. Is it many or few? Is it male or female, etc.? The source letters, the shorish, are how many? Three. Two. Three. Three. What about the two letters as a root? Very uncommon. There are, but as a whole, we teach students that every as that every, um, that most Hebrew words have three source letters. There's a note here, Rebbe, that uh, Steinsalt says that Sitrachra uh, is synonymous with Klippah. Yes, important. They both. Might help. Yes, thank you. The three letters, Aleph, Ches, Resh. Let me write it on a paper. Um, anyone have a paper I could borrow? paper will work. I'm going to write it down right now. Aleph Ches Resh. Excuse my handwriting. Aleph Ches Resh. This is a Shorish. Acher. And I'll share with you two words that have the same three letters as their source letters. Which two words? Acherim, which means others. The source letters, the three source letters of that word is Aleph, Ches, Reish. And Achorayim, the hinder part. Again, the, th the three source letters are Aleph, Ches, Reish. To kind of share this point a little more, looking back inside the Tanya, where Basha mentioned, if you look on the left-hand column of what we just read, second, second paragraph, You'll see there are two brackets with Hebrew words. Okay? And within each bracket, the word acherim and achorayim, you'll see they both have an aleph. Both words have a ches, and both words have a resh. And then they have some additional letters. So, what we're learning tonight is that when the Torah says, don't have elokim acherim, God's Acherim. What does the word Acherim mean? Well, tonight we're translating it as hinder, as backside gods. All false gods, or all false, or all negative energy gets its energy from the hinder part of Hashem. Did that, did that clarify, Pasha? Yeah. Okay, any other questions? What yes. does, what's the word for afternoon? Tzaharayim. Oh, Okay. What about the creation of the world? 
we spoke about good, we spoke about bad. We spoke about Torah and mitzvot. We spoke about the Jewish person, the Jewish people. We come from the face of Hashem. We've spoken about negativity. That comes from the back of Hashem. What if, where does the world come from? Is the world something Hashem is happy with? Is it something He's unhappy with? So, now, and that's where we're going to continue. We're right now on the right-hand column. Now... The, sup the supernal will of the quality of countenance is the source of life which animates all worlds. That means not only do the, is the Torah and mitzvot living from the essence of Hashem, but even the world is living from the essence of Hashem. Why? Because it is a vessel for the essence of Hashem. Hashem wants His essence to be revealed here. Hashem, the part of Hashem's inner desire is the world. But since it is in no way bestowed on the Sitra Achara, let's step back a moment. Hashem wants the world to be. And Hashem wants within this world there to be Torah and mitzvot. How many types of energy have we discussed? We've discussed Hashem giving energy from His essence. We've discussed Hashem giving energy from His backside. We've discussed Hashem giving energy with, with, in two different types. His face and His back. Let's talk about a human. I could give you something forward or I could give you something backwards. Nothing personal. <laughs> Within the energy I'm giving you in a personal or impersonal way, there are also two ways I could do it. How? One way is I could I can actually make sure that it's going to apply to you. I could make sure that I'm going to give you something you'll understand. I'll say, hey, it's nice to meet you, and I'll be able to give you something that you're able to relate to. Or I could say, hey, it's a pleasure to meet you, we could talk face to face, but whatever I'm giving you is not going to relate. The same thing is when I'm giving something without face to face. Again, I could give the person money he's able to relate to, or I could give, it, I could give him something that he can't connect with. When Hashem gives the world energy, it's coming from His essence and it's applicable energy. It's energy that's able to connect with it. When Hashem gives impurity energy, it's coming from His backside and it's energy that can't connect with it. In the words of the Tanya, in the words of Kabbalah, it's called, and we've discussed this before, Sovev, surrounding energy, and Makif. As sovev, surrounding energy, and pnimi, internal energy. Is the energy Hashem giving you, is it, is it becoming internal within you, or is it just surrounding? When Hashem gives energy to the world, so that's energy that's coming from His face, and it's coming within. When Hashem gives energy to impurity, that's energy coming from His back. And even so, it's only surrounding it. It's not able to internalize within it.
Make sense? Clear, Sharon? <laughs> it's as clear as can be. Yeah. <laughs> the energy within impurity is from Hashem's back, and even that does not internalize within it. Okay? So, so now that means that impurity is dead. If to be alive, Hashem needs to be within you. So impurity that doesn't have Hashem within it is effectively dead. The Gemara tells us, A wicked person, when he's alive, is called not alive. He's not alive. A wicked man, while alive, Kiruyim is called Mason, is called dead. If to be alive, Hashem has to be within you. So if someone is connected with impurity, and Hashem's not within impurity, then they're lacking that connection to Hashem. Baruch, should I say it again or it's clear? Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> Life is connection with Hashem. To be alive means to be connected to Hashem. Conversely, to be dead means to be separated from Hashem. Yishai, so far so clear? So far so good. To be alive, you need, need to be connected to Hashem. What is Hashem connected to? Torah and Mitzvot. Death, then, is connecting with the opposite, with impurity, with evil. Hashem is, if Hashem is not within evil, then connecting to evil is is in a sense death. Basha. I'm going to put you on the spot. But I just want, I want, I want, I want everyone to get this in other words. Can you repeat it back? Try. Well, when we're connected to Hashem, uh, we're alive. And when we're distanced from Hashem, or when we are, well, worse than that, when we are involved in impurity, we are dead. Why? Because we don't have the life of the show's connection. Why? No, you're saying good. Why, why within impurity? Why when someone connects to impurity doesn't he have a Hashem within him? Because Hashem is holiness and when we're not connected to that holiness. Hashem is not, is not within impurity. We're saying Hashem surrounds impurity. But Hashem is not within it. Okay, let's. I'm going to try. I'll get to that. That's a that's a a deeper question. Okay. Oh, this is. You know, they say they say technology may be impurity. Okay. This for for our conversation is impurity. This is a kiddush cup. It's purity. <laughs> Hashem is within the. Purity, Hashem is not within impurity. So when you connect to purity, are you connecting with the source of life? Yes. 
when you connect with impurity, are you connecting with the source of life? No. No. The source of death. The, the, the source, of, source of death. Correct. Let's see it inside and then we'll see if we can put it together. Page 92, right column. Now, the supernal will of the quality of countenance, Hashem's face is the source of life which animates all worlds. But since it is in no way bestowed on the Sitra Achara, in no way is Hashem's face, His essence, His energy, His inner desire within impurity, and even the so-called hinder part of the supernal will is not actually closed in it, when we learned previously that the hindered part of Hashem is within impurity, it's not within it, but merrily hovers over it from above. The hindered part of Hashem, the Achurayim of Hashem, that is giving energy to impurity, is not within the impurity. It hovers over it. Therefore, it is the abode of death, and defilement, may God preserve us. Hashem is life. So when you connect with impurity, you're connecting effectively with the opposite of life. Why? So come, Sandra, and ask the obvious question. If Hashem is not in something, it's going to disappear. So Hashem must be within evil in a... He must be within evil at least something. If he's not within it, it's hovering over it is not going to give it life to be here. Hashem is within evil. Yes. But, look at this. For the tiny amount of light and life that it derives and absorbs into itself from the so-called hinder part of the supernal holiness is as it were, in a state of actual exile in it. As an aspect of the esoteric doctrine of the exile of the Shekhinah referred to above. Yes, Hashem is within impurity. He must be within impurity for it to be here. He can't just be hovering over it. But the part of Hashem that's within the impurity is completely trapped. It's not able to reveal itself at all. It's as if it's not there almost. Is quite serious. The aspect of Hashem within impurity is completely trapped. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. We know that souls come down and are reincarnated. Not only that, but sometimes soul of a human can come down as a soul of an animal. One of the reasons it says to eat fish, you've heard this before, David? One of the reasons we can filter fish on Shabbos is because it's... I respectfully point out that when I said that in regard to the 13 petal rose, the amount you said that you weren't sure that was correct. And I apologize then. No, no need to apologize. It just feels good to be affirmed. <laughs> The, uh, at times, souls of the, 
we say that souls of holy tzaddikim come down into fish. And therefore it's a custom to eat fish on Shabbos. And we could filter fish. Yisha, you've heard this before? It's very powerful. Why am I sharing this? Anyone else knows a famous, famous personality who, who his soul became an animal for seven years? Oh, yeah. Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't really become, he just lived like an animal. Hit it on the dot. Yeah. We say, we say he lived the life of an animal for seven right, years. For seven years, yeah. In the fields, the whole day. A human soul within an animal. When the human soul is within the animal, is it a human soul or is it an animal soul? It's a human soul. Can the human soul be as human? No. Is that it's why the Baal Shem Tov talks to animals? That it or is that a separate thing? I don't know the answer. When a human soul is in an animal soul, it is within an animal, the human soul is trapped. And it could try as much as it can but it's the, the, they talk about talking fish, but it's a hoax. The fish is not going to be able to talk like a human. To the best of my knowledge. Hashem could make a miracle, I'm sure of it. If Hashem wanted the fish to come and talk to you, He will. Bilam, great example. Bilam's donkey spoke human language. It can happen, yes. But as a whole, when a human soul is within an animal, it's trapped. Truly trapped. Truly trapped. There's nothing it could do. That is an analogy for the energy of Hashem within impurity. It Hashem makes perfect sense because some people talk like donkeys. <laughs> Hashem is within impurity, but completely trapped. I have to finish off. Of course, Hashem allowed Himself to be trapped. Hashem is never trapped. That's for another time. Let's see if we could put this all together. And hopefully you'll only leave this class half confused. <laughs> if you leave half confused, we succeeded. <laughs> Yishai, welcome back. It's really good to have you. There's good to be found in everything, including bad. The good is, because of bad, we're able to be rewarded. Because there's impurity in this world, you're all going to have a beautiful, a beautiful life. You're all going to have a lot of reward. If there, was only, if there was only good, you wouldn't get any reward. Where does the energy come? Does Hashem want bad? Is, when Hashem created the world, did He say, my desire is that there should be bad, there should be impurity, evil? No. Not only no, but it's the last thing He wants to do. But it had to be done. So the energy within it is the hinder part of Hashem's energy. Even within the hinder part of Hashem's energy, it's not within the negativity, it's hovering over it. And therefore, impurity is called a place of death. So you ask, if impurity doesn't have Hashem within it, it can't exist. So he explained, yes, there is, Hashem is within the impurity, but unfortunately that part of Hashem is completely trapped. It's completely concealed, like the human soul within the animal. And with this, we will conclude.
<laughs> and take any questions. I, I hope we got 50%. Any questions? I know Sandra's going to tell me too many tasks. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. What it's in, if, uh, I'm trying as you're talking not to see it as um, a metaphor, but in a more spiritual sense, because um, otherwise I see trapped physically, you know, like a pan with a lock. And right. It's just very hard to get to. How did Hashem get there? No, how do I get there in my mind without seeing like trapped something physical with a gate? What's the problem you thinking that Hashem is physically trapped in a gate? What's the problem with that is analogy? That he is. But he is. He is. Why not? Because he didn't... He... Can be or cannot be. It's what he chooses. Oh. At any instant, he can decide no. Fantastic. It would be like the, like the, uh, like the mayor saying, "I want to go into prison and treat me like a prisoner." So that was a choice. Yes, Hashem doesn't have to be in prison. Right. But when he when he is imprisoned, it's really happening. That's hard for me. I want you to imagine that you have a, the you have the mayor of a city says, mm -hmm. I, "I want to go to prison and I want to be treated like a prisoner." Right. So he could leave, but at the moment he's being treated like a prisoner. But at any instant, yeah, Hashem or the mayor could say, "Okay, I changed my mind. I I don't want to wear that garb. Yeah. I don't want the chains on my ankles." Yes. So it's not a real imprisonment if at any time. Beautiful. Those in the pr involved in the prison and the uh, confinement um, have to do what he says. Beautiful, and that's why at the end of the day, everything is Hashem. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Very well said. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much, everyone, and have a wonderful evening.